Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The cheerleaders at a gym in Buffalo have been recording themselves. What's up? To make a new documentary. We're the so-called news reporters. Because one year ago, a mass shooting changed their lives. He just walked around and shot all the black people. The cheer squad, most of whom are black, had to figure out how to go on and how to compete. I wanted the win for them more than anything this season. Listen to the Embedded podcast from NPR within the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it is time to find a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Berenbaum. On paper, he was perfect, but in reality... This guy is a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a story of a man who's fascinated me. 
His name was Sweet Daddy Grace, and that's a name you don't forget. He was a visionary who built a fortune as a black man during Jim Crow, during the Depression. But today, not many people know about him. Erased, sort of wiped out, and I wonder if this was done intentionally. Listen to Sweet Daddy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Will Daly. For years, I've been on the road playing shows and seeing America through live music. This summer, I'll hit the stage with season two of Sound of Our Town. Ten cities, 12 episodes, every other Thursday. We explore the live music venues and culture of a new American city with each new episode. Our tour continues into the kind of venues you want to get to when you land in Detroit, Providence, Denver, or Seattle. Listen to Sound of Our Town on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A member of the Wagner family was back in the Pike County Courthouse today. His attorneys argue George Wagner IV did not shoot and kill any of the Rodin family members. Judge, in our motion... We have asked the court to dismiss counts one through eight and or the accompanying death specifications, which make this case a death penalty. As part of the plea deal Jake Wagner reached with prosecutors, neither he nor his brother or their parents will face the death penalty as long as Jake testifies in court. George did not shoot or kill anybody. He did not pull a trigger once. Jake, on the other hand, has admitted to killing at least five people personally and shooting a sixth. Special Prosecutor Angie Canepa argued the murder charges and death penalty specifications against George Wagner should remain until Jake Wagner testifies on the record in a courtroom. Surviving members of the Roden family anxiously await for answers to close the case, but won't ever erase the heartache they feel. This is The Piketon Massacre, Season 3, Episode 7, Breadcrumbs. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a television producer at KT Studios with Stephanie Lidecker and Jeff Shane. In this episode, we follow the trail of breadcrumbs left behind during these hearings. Some of them lead into very dark corners that may only be fully illuminated once the trial begins. And no issue has cast a larger shadow over the case than what Angela and Jake's testimony may reveal about George and Billy's involvement. When the state has made a bargain with the shooter of at least five people, the killer of at least five people in this case, then we believe it's unconstitutional, improper, and an abuse of power to pursue the death penalty against George when they admitted he didn't shoot anybody. We are not stipulating that George did not shoot anybody because we don't know that. We are simply stipulating that according to Jake's proper, George did not shoot anybody. I think that's an important distinction. Now, Judge Deering ended up denying the defense motion filed by George Wagner's attorney. Now, we also learned that all four of the suspects were offered the same chance to negotiate a deal if they agreed to tell prosecutors what happened the night the Roden family members were killed. These murders in Pike County, Ohio, it's not something they just entered into. You know, they're not just, you know, sitting around with a few cans of beer open and say, let's go slaughter the rodents. That's not what happened. This took planning. You're talking about the murder of eight other human beings. They're going to go into quite graphic detail about, first off, the kids being locked up in this house with the deceased remains of their parents. They're going to talk about all of the bloodstains 
that were on the children. They're going to talk about how those children were weeping and crying. It's going to be incredibly impactful. It'll be like getting hit in the chest with a 10-pound sledgehammer. You're not going to have a totality of the execution of this agreement until they get up on the stand and they do what they say that they were going to do. You know, and absent that, then it's a game changer. Defense attorney, former prosecutor, judge, and Fox 19 legal analyst Mike Allen has been following the case closely. We asked him about Angela and Jake's proffers and if their testimonies need to line up closely with the prosecution's investigative and forensic findings. The answer to that is yes. I mean, if there's what they call a proffer made by a defendant, where the defendant will say, well, this is what I would testify to, it's got to line up, not absolutely perfectly, but generally, it's got to line up with what the prosecution has. They're probably meeting with Angela and Jake regularly. You don't want to screw this up. You don't want to make some kind of comment to somebody, anybody that you're in jail with, even the prison staff that you're coming in contact with on a daily basis, anything that could hamper this trial. They want to keep this thing as pristine as they possibly can going into whatever the prosecution is going to do with George and Billy. Here's producer Chris Graves speaking with forensic death investigator Joseph Scott Morgan. If those proffers are to be believed, it would seem that Billy did the other three. Yeah, yeah, it would seem that. And Jake admitted to these killings. If he facilitated the deaths of five people, which he's admitted to, and we still have three that are unaccounted for. I think money's on Billy at this point in time. He's a front runner. I think that the state's going to want their pound of flesh in this case because of everything that has happened relative to this, all of the deception, all of this horror that has come down upon this little rural county in, in southern Ohio. I think the people of Ohio probably are going to demand it. The Roden family case is going to be that case that 80 years from now, people are going to sit around the campfire and tell stories about. Another motion, Motion 76, filed by the defense, deals with the admissibility of specific evidence and expert testimony that the prosecution hopes will seal the deal for convincing the jury of George's involvement. The prosecution quickly filed a memorandum stating that their case for why the evidence should be admissible and why Motion 76 should be struck down. Here's Chris Graves speaking with retired prosecutor Ann Flanagan about the shoe print evidence. For every motion that the defense filed, there may be a response, or there may be another motion filed by the state that seeks something. And uh, in those motions, at times, that you will glean some additional facts that maybe you have not heard from other sources. It's like finding little breadcrumbs to this puzzle we've all been trying to figure out. We took this new evidence and compared it to some of the facts already known in the case. Here's Stephanie and Jeff. This is the relevant factual background in the memorandum. Eight members of the Roden family were murdered in their homes on the night of April 22nd, 2016. Investigators located shoe prints at two properties, 4077 Union Hill Road and 3122 Union Hill Road. These shoe prints had pools of dried blood belonging to the victims. Okay, so let's dig into this just a little deeper. The locations where these prints were found were at the homes of Chris Roden Sr. and then Dana Roden. 
we've been to this location and they're running distance from each other. When we visited Piketon, we actually did the drive of Union Hill Road to map out the different crime scenes. Union Hill Road lies about 20 minutes west of downtown Piketon off of Route 32. You exit the highway, then double back and head into a patchwork of forests and fields. And about half a mile up the road on the right is when you first see 3122 Union Hill Road, the property that Chris Roden Sr. bought for Dana and the kids just months before the murders. And we talked about this. That's also the location where Hannah Mae Roden had her baby shower just leading up to the murders. So moving into this home was a really happy and exciting thing for Dana. Just down the road from that is 4077 Union Hill Road. And that's where Chris Roden Sr. was living. And as we know, his cousin Gary was staying with him. This was a very brutal crime scene. There were pools of blood everywhere. And in these pools of blood, what police found were two shoe prints, one a size 10 and a half and the other a size 11. According to the report, a size 11 Walmart Athletic Works brand shoe left a print. Here's Joseph Scott Morgan. I went back and I thought that brand sounded familiar. And the reason it was familiar to me is that when my son Noah got one of his first jobs, it was at Chick-fil-A and they require you to wear those non-slip shoes. We went to Walmart to buy him a pair and that's what they were. And I just looked that up. They're primarily athletic works shoes. They're non-slip soles is what they are. They're black in color. They kind of look like athletic shoes and visiting their website, they go for like 13 bucks a pair or something like that. It's something that's easily acquired. The size 11 shoe was actually found in both Chris Sr. and Data's home. Which is extremely significant because there's been so much speculation about this. Did they divide up and each go to a different location or did they do it together? And that's what this evidence would imply. Yeah, to further that point, Steph, What they also found was that the size 11 shoe had a mix of multiple victims' blood in it, which again speaks to your point that whoever was wearing that shoe went to multiple rodent houses. For Joseph Morgan, it brought to mind another infamous family massacre. I urge anybody that has never read In Cold Blood to go read this book, specifically because of the forensics. Capote did such a fantastic job and you know, given such a great description of this horrible scene where this family was absolutely butchered, not too dissimilar from what happened in Piketon, only it happened in one single home in Kansas all those years back. They had one piece of evidence that really tied everything together at that scene. In Cold Blood is a nonfiction novel by author Truman Capote that was published in 1966. It details the 1959 murders of the Clutter family in small town Kansas. And you might have read this book in high school or have heard of it. It's really one of the first true crime stories that people sank their teeth into. And I would surmise that any true crime TV series or podcast or documentary really should give some credit to this one because without it, I don't think the genre would be what it is. There are actually a lot of parallels between the Piketon Massacre and the Clutter family murders. One, the family aspect. Also, two, the brutality. Three, the victims being shot in the head. And just the sheer amount of bloodshed. It's chilling. For those of you who aren't familiar with the story, we'll give you a little bit of a top line about it. 
It all started in the fall of 1959 when these two ex-cons named Perry Smith and Richard Hickok drove across Kansas on a tip they had received from one of their fellow inmates when they were in jail. While the duo was still in jail, they met a man named Floyd Wells who had claimed to them he had once worked as a farmhand for a man named Herb Clutter, who, according to Floyd, had kept thousands of dollars in a safe in his basement. And that is all that Smith and Hickok needed to hear. And eventually, when they got out of jail, they drove 400 miles to the Clutter residence and snuck into the house as the family was sleeping. They started by tying up Mr. and Mrs. Clutter and their two teenage children, Kenyon and Bonnie. It's every parent's worst nightmare. I can't help being reminded of what the Roden family must have been feeling the night that they were murdered, thinking about them in their homes and having a loud banging sound, and all of a sudden there's a gun in your face. And it turns out there actually was not a safe. It was a total lie or her rumor. And Hickok, who had a very short temper, flew into a rage. And it's so sad because they must have decided beforehand that they wouldn't leave any witnesses alive. So all they got away with was a radio and maybe $50, but still they decided they had to kill the entire family. Yeah, once they made this decision, they kind of went one by one to the family members who were in various points of the home. And they started with Mr. Clutter, who was bound and gagged on a box spring in the basement. Harry Smith slit his throat and then shot him in the head. They then went to the teenage son, Kenyon, who was bound in another part of the basement and shot him to death. And then they, of course, headed upstairs to kill mom, Nancy Clutter. And sadly, after hearing both her parents and her brother being murdered, Bonnie Clutter was shot in the head. Her hands were tied in front of her. She was gagged. And get this, they actually tucked her into her bed. It's almost like they were trying to make her comfortable in the moments leading up to her murder. Another similarity to the Roden case seems to be the sheer violence of all of this. To shoot someone and slit their throat is the definition of overkill. In the same way, shooting members of the Roden family multiple times in the face is just violence for violence's sake. Something else that we should note, that at some point in the night, Perry Smith stepped in Mr. Clutter's blood in the basement and left a partial footprint. That again seems eerily similar to this footprint that we've been discussing in the rodent homes. A lot of creepy stuff went on in this case. Anyway, he was executed down there. And Perry, who was one of the killers, was wearing a boot that had been resold. And this boot, when you hear this name, this this name in forensic parlance, it's a benchmark moment. It's called the cat paw print. When he stepped on that box, he transferred a print to that box with his boot that had transferred from blood onto the surface, and it left that cat paw print. Perry Smith's boots were later recovered. Not so in Piketon. The defense has struck gold here. Really? I think so, yeah. What makes you think that? Well, guess what they found? They had Perry's boots. In this case, they, they ain't got nothing. In Piketon, they they don't have the shoes. They don't have that to compare to. In the Clutter case, they did. And I'm, I'm drawing these conclusions because I think, in my opinion at least, that this case, much like the Clutter case, is going to be a bloodbath. The prosecution is betting that their footprint expert, William Bosniak, can tie the bloody prints back to the Wagners without having the actual footwear. 
For his analysis, Bosniak bought the same athletic works model, size, and shoe at Walmart, about a thousand miles away from Piketon in his home state of Florida. The defense is trying to raise doubt about the process by which Bosniak determined the match, as well as about Bosniak's actual qualifications as an expert. To do this, they've requested what's called a Daubert hearing. Here again, Anne Flanagan. Daubert is just the name of a case where some guidelines were set forth by the U.S. Supreme Court. And it was done with the idea that we don't want junk science going to a jury just because someone was declared an expert and said that this was his expert opinion. And so they gave some guidelines for attorneys and courts. And so some of the guidelines are what we call Daubert factors. Some of these factors include whether the theory or technique in question can be and has been tested, whether it has been subject to peer review and publication, its known potential error rate, and whether it has attracted widespread acceptance within the forensic scientific community. Well, one of the attacks that the defense made is that this is not the shoe. The shoe that he compared to the print is a sample shoe that he bought later. They would want to do that because they see that as very damaging evidence. Understand, the defense's job is to exploit these small little issues along the way. They don't have to destroy the whole case. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start to talk about, you know, well, they've, they've given so much value to this piece of evidence, they're going to try to paint it that way. If this trial happens down there in southern Ohio and Appalachia, people that inhabit those regions, their ears perk up when they hear an accent from other places or they see people that don't quite fit in. And all he has to do is say, you know, this, this guy, he's with the feds. Why the hell are you going to go outside of your own law enforcement family and the uh, crime lab there in the state and contract with an outside expert in this particular case? Ultimately, Judge Deering ruled for the defense that the Daubert hearing could go forward. Joseph Scott Morgan explains that if the judge rules in favor of the defense, a jury would never hear any of the evidence about the shoes. Defense is witnessing up to state that this gentleman is going to testify to size 10 and a half and to size 11 athletic works shoes. He's going to testify to those items and then he's marrying those up to the photographs of the shoe prints at the scene to these individuals. They're saying that this isn't gonna hold water forensically. Then we can conclude that perhaps that bit of evidence will be excluded. But listen, this is the defense. This is what they do. If I hire a defense attorney, I'm assuming that's their job to basically throw anything against the wall and hope that it sticks. I would imagine it's a little bit of an uphill battle defending someone like George Wagner because there's a lot of evidence against him. And so the defense attorney is just trying to find ways around that and ways to cast reasonable doubt. Because with a jury, you don't need to prove that someone's innocent. All you need to do is poke enough holes in the prosecution story that there is a reasonable doubt that George Wagner did not murder eight people. We think it's important to go through the different pieces of evidence that the prosecution is allegedly putting forward because it really does play a huge part in this case. The first thing that we think seems very relevant is the shoe receipts. 
Now, as a result of a search warrant executed on the vehicles and the trailers belonging to the Wagner family, investigators located a Walmart receipt for a location in Waverly, Ohio. The date on the receipt is April 7th, 2016, which as we know is just a couple of weeks before the murders. The receipt was for two pairs of gray men's Walmart branded shoes with Velcro straps in sizes 10 and a half and 11. Officials were able to obtain and preserve surveillance photographs and receipts of all recent purchases of that model and those sizes of the shoe in numerous Walmart stores throughout Southern Ohio. At some point, an expert reviewed the photographs obtained from a Walmart in Waverly, Ohio, and it included still images of the customers who purchased Athletic Works shoes that day. And the customer purchasing those shoes in this particular surveillance shot is none other than Angela Wagner. They actually show her exiting the Waverly Walmart on April 7th, 2016, at approximately the exact same time on the receipt found on the Wagner property. And this day is so significant because, as we know, Hannah Mae Roden was having her baby shower at her new house where she lived with her mom, which we talked about earlier. It is pretty damning evidence, to say the least. We were told at some point that Angela Wagner chose those specific shoes for her boys to wear because they were allegedly the exact same shoes that Dana Roden's brother wore to work. And it's been speculated that perhaps Angela Wagner was literally trying to set up Dana Roden's brother for these murders. I have a question. What do you think has more weight in the courtroom? the science and the facts of the case, or Jake Wagner's version of events? Well, it all depends on what Jake has given them at this point, and Mama. From a forensic standpoint, I can't wait to see this. They've already shown their hand to a certain degree. They're saying we're going after the forensic evidence. Right now, we know it's footwear. What else is on the table? Are we going to talk about ballistics? Because that's the agency for bringing about death here. You know, we're talking about firing multiple rounds into all of these people. Reporter Anjanette Levy sees potential implications for George and Billy Wagner if the evidence is allowed. I just know from one of the hearings back in August of 2020, they were saying, you have no evidence against George IV. And same with Billy. Billy's attorney said in court documents, you have no evidence against our guy. There's nothing in the discovery that ties him to this. So when you look at it, if we're looking at shoe impression evidence, Those could be things that maybe tie them to the crime scenes because we have that whole issue of the state saying and Angela Wagner confirming that she purchased these shoes at Walmart for them to use. So those items could tie George and Billy to the crimes. Because the Daubert hearing could affect both father and son, Judge Deering raised the possibility that they both appear in court at the same time. I would think that's going to be potentially the most interesting thing to come out of the Daubert hearing. So you're going to have the singular hearing about the scientific evidence, and then it's going to be presented at two separate capital murder trials. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. Back in the 1990s in Las Vegas, a few of us dated the most eligible bachelor in town, Bob. 
He spoke several languages. He did medical missionary work, and he was Jewish. He was perfect on paper. But he wasn't. He really wasn't. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. Bob could lie about anything. It only takes the one time and somebody ends up dead. Unfortunately for Bob, us girlfriends know how to fight back. I wanted him to pay for his crime. He needed to be put to justice. I'll be honest with you, if I saw him right now, I'd spit on him. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. I will always hound you and haunt you. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name's Laverne Cox. I'm an actress, producer, fashionista, and host of The Laverne Cox Show. You may remember my award-winning first season. I've been pretty busy, but there's always time to talk to incredible guests about important things. People like me have been screaming for years. We've got to watch the Supreme Court. What they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is evil. They will take things away. And I can only hope that Dobbs is that, like, Pearl Harbor moment. Girl, you and I both know what it took to just get through the day in New York City and get home in one piece. And so the fact that we're here and what you've achieved and what I've achieved, you know, that's momentous. It's not just us sitting around complaining about some bills. The only reason that you might think, as Chase said, that we're always miserable is because people are constantly attacking us and we're constantly noticing it. Listen to The Laverne Cox Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share. How rude, Tanneritos, is the Full House Rewatch podcast you've been waiting for. Each week, get together with iconic characters Stephanie Tanner and Kimmy Gibbler, also known as actresses Jody Sweeten and Andrea Barber, as they team up to relive every episode of your favorite Friday night comfort show. We spent our entire childhoods on a little show called Full House, playing frenemies but becoming besties whenever the cameras weren't rolling. And now, 35 years later, it's our biggest adventure yet. Get ready for Jody and Andrea to tell all as they take an in-depth look back at life in and around the Tanner home from the very, very beginning. So if you think you know everything there is to know about Full House, how rude. We'll be reliving every moment with you and we'll be joined by our Full House family, including all your favorites from 192 episodes. We'll reveal the hidden treasures you may have missed within the show and we'll take a trip down memory lane together. Listen to How Rude Tanneritos on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Bad Manners. This is the podcast that takes you inside Britain's stately homes and tells all the tales the guidebooks don't. My name is Tom Horton and I'll be your host. Britain is riddled with big houses from crumbling castles, massive mansions and stately piles bigger than Buckingham Palace. As a comedian, I'm not really bothered about the facts and figures. I just want the juicy stuff. So I'm on a mission to find out the frightening, filthy and downright jaw-dropping stories of these stately homes and the people in them. This podcast ventures deep inside some of Britain's most incredible and outrageous buildings to spill the tea on the scandalous, scary, shocking and hilarious tales. So if you want to get historically horrid, royally raucous and downtown dirty. Look no further. Listen to Bad Manners on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Judge Deering decided to have two separate Daubert cases for George and Billy Wagner, 
avoiding a father-son face-to-face for the first time since their arrests almost four years ago. Here's Joseph Morgan. What if they come to a conclusion, let's just say it has to do with footwear. They come to the conclusion X relative to the findings in George's case and the validity of the evidence and how it was examined, collected, and analyzed. You've got the dynamic of a separate legal team there. They might have a completely different view of this. When you're accused of something, and I'm just speaking strictly about forensics here, you have to be able to hold forth against the entire might of the state and what they bring to bear, their forensic resources. George's team is there to save George. They're not there to save Billy. The morning of the trial, William Bosniak arrived early and took a seat while the defense and prosecution organized their arguments. Bosniak is fit with a head of silver hair. You might guess he's 10 years younger than his actual age of 76. Your Honor, at this time, the state would call Mr. Bosiak to the stand. You solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give should be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, that you I shall do. answer unto God. I do. You may be seated. Can you tell us what your vocation is? I'm a forensic consultant and examiner. I specialize in footwear and tire impression evidence. And can you tell us how long would you say you've been doing that? Uh, since 1973. George IV avoids eye contact with Bosniak. Angie Canepa goes through the very standard procedure of having an expert describe his resume to the court. He speaks for a full hour and a half on his qualifications. Bosniak has done thousands of footwear impression examinations during his career with the FBI and in the 20 plus years of consulting since his retirement in 1998. Footwear, shoes of people leave impressions. Some of these are on two-dimensional surfaces where shoes acquire material like dust, dirt, mud, blood, so forth. And then they redeposit it in subsequent steps. Typically, if you step in a pool of blood, the first few steps are pretty heavy and messy. I have a lot of blood. And then eventually, each step, some of that blood is transferred to the floor and consumed. So the next step doesn't have as much. Bosniak explains that he can identify specific brands, models, and sizes of shoes, even if they aren't recovered. He does this by comparing recovered prints to the molds used by manufacturers to make the soles of any given shoe. In shoes that are not popular, a manufacturer may only make one mold for most or all sizes. The basic design will be the same. It's computer generated, has been for years. So it's overall design and it's physical size of that design from all of those molds will virtually be indistinguishable. But in some shoe designs, they also add something that is known as generically as texture. At this point, Bosniak fires up a video he narrated. Texture is broadly defined as a shallow pattern sometimes found on selective surfaces of a footwear outsole. Adding texture to a mold is a separate process. The video shows two workers in Southeast Asia. They each sit at their own workbench with a small hammer and awl. They're punching little divots into the shoe molds that will later be used to cast rubber soles. During the molding process, There are two predominant methods of adding texture to a mold surface. 
One of those, shown here, involves mechanically striking a pattern into the surface using a steel die or similar tool. This is known as hand stippling. Believe it or not, those little patterns of the fine detail on the bottom of your shoes are mostly hand-carved and no two are alike. A size 11 mold created by one person will have minute differences from a size 11 created by another person. This goes even for the same brand and model shoe. It creates a very specific footprint. What's great about this evidence is that it's what we call demonstrable. And when you have demonstrable evidence, that's a big, big test of its reliability. If you live in Florida and you're asked to do an examination and purchase that shoe in Florida, how can you make a comparison to a shoe print impression that was a footprint impression that was left in a crime scene well, in Ohio? Because manufacturers sell their shoes all over the country. So if they're sold at one Walmart, they're probably sold at the majority of them. If I know they're Walmart shoes, then that's the obvious place that I would go to first. Angie Canepa rests. Now it's time for defense attorney Rob Junk to convince the judge that Bosniak is not a reliable expert. So what I'm hearing from you then in doing this test, you're required to have a mold standard from the factory, is that right? No. In some cases, I just simply go to the store and buy some or get permission to make photographs and take standards of the shoes they have. And why not go to the manufacturer? That's not always possible. They're in other countries, mostly. But, sir, unless you have obtained all of the molds, how do you know, or how can you be certain that the impression you have is of one particular mold or shoe that you have purchased from the store? I mean, this is just through your experience, is that right? You don't know this to be certain. I know this to be certain because I've observed it. I've worked cases like this. I've interacted with manufacturers, numerous manufacturers. I've been in factories asking questions like this. And I've, I've observed it over and over again and used this process over and over again. And it's as certain as anything can be. The defense works tirelessly to see if Bosniak will slip up. The defense then moves on to the issue of not having the actual shoes used in the crime. Can you explain to the court, if we're looking at a Walmart shoe, how reliable it is to make a comparison or a match between a Walmart store in Florida and a shoe that a Walmart store uh, maybe in California would sell? Sure, they came from the same mold. They just got distributed to all over the country. And although the impression corresponded with the shoe that you purchased from Walmart, you cannot say that that impression came from the athletic work shoe, or a athletic work shoe, is that right? Yes, it's, it's an athletic work shoe that has the texture on it that, that I purchased and that I compared, and that corresponds with the crime scene. After three hours of questioning, Judge Deering has heard enough. I think I'm just going to rule on the motion. I mean, I conclude, the court concludes that the footwear impression evidence, as explained and testified to by William Bozziak, satisfies the criteria of evidence rule 702 and Dalton Merrill for the admissibility of expert testimony. 
Let's stop here for another break. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. Back in the 1990s in Las Vegas, a few of us dated the most eligible bachelor in town, Bob. He spoke several languages. He did medical missionary work, and he was Jewish. He was perfect on paper. But he wasn't. He really wasn't. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. Bob could lie about anything. It only takes the one time and somebody ends up dead. Unfortunately for Bob, us girlfriends know how to fight back. I wanted him to pay for his crime. He needed to be put to justice. I'll be honest with you, if I saw him right now, I'd spit on him. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. I will always hound you and haunt you. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name's Laverne Cox. I'm an actress, producer, fashionista, and host of The Laverne Cox Show. You may remember my award-winning first season. I've been pretty busy, but there's always time to talk to incredible guests about important things. People like me have been screaming for years, we got to watch the Supreme Court. What they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is evil. They will take things away. And I can only hope that Dobbs is that, like, Pearl Harbor moment. Girl, you and I both know what it took to just get through the day in New York City and get home in one piece. And so the fact that we're here and what you've achieved and what I've achieved, you know, that's momentous. It's not just us sitting around complaining about some bills. The only reason that you might think, as Chase said, that we're always miserable is because people are constantly attacking us and we're constantly noticing it. Listen to The Laverne Cox Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share. This is the unbelievable but true story of George Remus. You might know him as a character from Boardwalk Empire or as the inspiration for Jay Gatsby. He was an eccentric and genius lawyer who figured out how to game the system during Prohibition. Remus is in the whiskey business, and Remus is the biggest man in the business. While living the life of luxury with his glamorous and ambitious wife, Imogene. Daddy, I am so glad you are here. But George Remus's wild existence took a dark and shocking turn, leading to betrayal. She had Remus just exactly where she wanted him. Revenge. Feel this muscle. I got this for Remus. I could crush him like an egg. And one of the most sensational murder trials in American history. We the jury find the defendant. Join me, Abbott Kaler, as we trace George Remus's transformation from bootleg king to alleged madman. Listen to Remus, the mad bootleg king, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. She's a Hollywood Western. She's Jack Kerouac, but in a nap dress with braids. She is one of the most important American children's authors of the 20th century. She's the basis for a television show still watched around the world. Somebody somewhere is watching Little House of the Brave. She's been called a hero, a racist, a feminist, and a propagandist. I think the harm is too great because it's just one more thing that Native children have to endure. She is Laura Ingalls Wilder, author of the book series Little House on the Prairie. As a kid, I idolized Laura. And last summer, I went on the road in search of the real Laura. We're literally on the prairie. Little town on the prairie, huh? 
What I found was a complicated person alongside the complicated country she represents. I'm Glynis McNichol, and this is Wilder. Listen to Wilder on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With the Daubert hearing over and Motion 76 denied, it's guaranteed the jury will hear the testimony of William Bosniak, his positive identification linking the shoes bought at Walmart by Angela Wagner, and the footprints at the crime scene containing the blood of multiple victims. This may have far-reaching consequences for the entire Wagner family. Regardless, jurors will still see Jake's plea, correct? And that would have its own narrative in and of itself. And maybe then the defense would poke holes in that? You're going to get more than that from Jake. He's going to be on the stand. He's got to stand and deliver. That's the only way they made this deal. Him and Mama are going to be on the stand. Man, you're going to have a five-time murderer on the stand giving testimony against his daddy, against his brother. I don't ever recall that I've ever heard of a case like this. Not in my memory. Not in recent history, at least. Anywhere in America. The stakes at this point are so incredibly high, it's unimaginable. More on that next time. If you're enjoying the Piketon Massacre, listen to our other hit series, Crazy in Love. New episodes air every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. For more information and case photos, follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. The Piketon Massacre is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Chris Graves, Scott DeGraw, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Music by Jared Aston. The Piketon Massacre is a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it is time to find a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Berenbaum. On paper, he was perfect, but in reality... This guy is a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sreera. And I'm Aarti. We have spent the last 20 years building and working at some of the largest companies in the world. We worked with some remarkable people. Rob McElhinney. When I see the people of Wrexham, I grew up exactly like them. Check out the Aarti and Sriram show. That is A-A-R-T-H-I and S-R-I-R-A-M show. Listen to the Aarti and Sriram show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Will Daly. For years, I've been on the road playing shows and seeing America through live music. This summer, I'll hit the stage with season two of Sound of Our Town. Ten cities, 12 episodes, every other Thursday. We explore the live music venues and culture of a new American city with each new episode. Our tour continues into the kind of venues you want to get to when you land in Detroit, Providence, Denver, or Seattle. Listen to Sound of Our Town on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is the story of a man who's fascinated me. His name was Sweet Daddy Grace, and that's a name you don't forget. He was a visionary who built a fortune as a black man during Jim Crow, during the Depression. But today, not many people know about him. Erased, sort of wiped out, and I wonder if this was done intentionally. Listen to Sweet Daddy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.